First in our Bill of Rights is the freedom to hear uncensored ideas and opinions, to think your own thoughts, and to say what's on your mind. We couldn't have liberty without it. Now, more than ever, it's good to spout off, to listen, debate, and participate. Here's your host of Spouting Off, commentator, columnist, and all-around rabble-rouser, Karen Cataline. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to Spouting Off, the old-fashioned way, talk radio, audio talk radio, the way it was meant to be, at least I think so. (laughs) Not that I have anything against video, uh, TV talk shows, I like them, but the old school audio talk radio, let's try to preserve it. Uh, and get our brains working, as well as our eyes. Uh, And uh, you can call in if you're listening live Tuesday, Thursday, or Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern at WSMN.live. That's where you can access the show. But you can also call in at 603-816-1590. How many talk show hosts today are talking about the potential expected, impending arrest of Donald Trump. I am delighted to see a lot of pundits get on top of this thing. And for that reason, because people did get on top of it and characterize it rightfully so as uh, a watershed moment in this country turning into a banana republic, uh, maybe they won't do it. I don't know. We are watching to see Uh, Most of us were shocked when, surprise, surprise, they raided Mar-a-Lago, even went through Melania's shoe drawer. Uh, I I don't think they did that with Biden when we found out that he was taking bribes, even admitted it on national television that he was using pay-to-play. I mean, the level of corruption is beyond compare, and the left has taught the zombies on their bandwagon, there are a bunch of zombies on their bandwagon that will do and say anything they tell them, including jump off a bridge uh, or burn down a Wendy's, whatever. There's a certain kind of zombieism happening out there uh, that protests are only allowed by Democrats. Uh, Even if you riot, you loot, you burn down Wendy's or McDonald's or whatever, that's okay. But if you're a conservative, you're not allowed to protest. I saw... uh, tweets that said, oh, Donald Trump is asking people to protest. I guess he's inciting violence again, as if it was never legal before to protest something you didn't like. All of a sudden, that right has been taken away from people who don't tow the government line, which of course is why we have the right to protest, isn't it? I mean, if all you're doing is extolling the virtues of a potentially corrupt government, then you're really not doing anything at all. You're hardly cutting edge. You're hardly rebelling against anything. You're simply doing the bidding of a corrupt government by, I don't know, taking over a police department building somewhere in Seattle or taking over six blocks of a city street. That's not violent. The violence that we saw when they did take it over was appalling, was lawless, was horrendous, and we all watched it. But, you know, you can frame conservatives without evidence in what Jonathan Turley calls a pathetic case, a ridiculous case. And this is a case having to do with Stormy Daniels, which has been going on for the bulk of Trump's term, and now they bring it back again. They will not give it up because they have zombies on their bandwagon who truly do believe that Trump is the criminal and not the criminals that are in uh, uh, in power right now. 
It is amazing. These folks, I tell you, remember when your mom told you, you know, if Johnny jumped off a bridge, would you do it too? Yeah, they would. They would abandon and have everything they ever thought and believed that they held dear. They don't hold anything dear anymore. They just listen to their betters. If their betters tell them this is the person to hate and ban and censor and shut down and demonize and rob them of their rights, that's what they're going to do. And guess what? I wasn't going to talk about that because we're waiting, you know, we're waiting for Donald Trump if he's going to be arrested today. And we don't know yet as of this broadcast. So what should we talk about instead? How about woke (laughs) M&Ms? All right. (laughs) I don't know how it was that I totally missed I didn't totally miss this story. I heard about the woke M&Ms and I went, oh God, please let me not have to talk about woke M&Ms. But sure enough, my husband brought it to my attention because there was a commercial over the weekend that M&Ms has abandoned their woke M&Ms and are returning back to the traditional M&Ms that people used to know and love. Well, That got me having to go back and find out exactly what the woke M&Ms were all about. (laughs) Because after all, I wasn't paying attention. And you'd think I would, because I do love chocolate, any chocolate, all chocolate, especially chocolate-covered ginger. I love chocolate-covered ginger. I don't think M&Ms makes those. Nevertheless, uh, I had to go back all the way to January of like, I don't know, was it 2022? Yes, a year ago, when M&Ms went woke and decided to be more inclusive and progressive by making uh, what is believed to be, it was a little bit under the wire, uh, a transgender M&M, which is uh, somewhat controversial because he's he, she is green, or was, and is wearing go-go boots. Um, And then there's other colors that are supposed to represent the um, inclusiveness of us all, which of course, uh, ironically, is the categorization and the divisiveness of us all, instead of accepting the fact that our superficial differences is a minor speed bump in... uh, uh, very basic principles of us all being equal under the law and being held accountable for our behavior, not our looks, or even our point of view. That used to be a strongly held principle in the United States of America of old, but now you can be demonized because of the color of your skin. Take a look at the video that I just posted on Twitter which I think now is maybe a tiny bit more free than it used to be, maybe a lot more, of a black person berating white people because they're white and calling them horrible, horrible names, saying that because he's black, he's over them, meaning he holds a higher position in society and there are monkeys and pigs, I guess. As a Jewish person, I'm sort of familiar with that pejorative. Uh, Jews have been called monkeys and pigs before, as well as black people in the 50s. And yet the public and so forth cannot learn that hate is hate, bigotry is bigotry. And that leads me, well, I got two things to say here and quickly, I might add, that leads me to the question, if you watch any kind of mainstream media, legacy media. Have you seen any uniting messages, any positive messages, any messages that extol the virtues of uh, equal equal justice under the law, tolerance of differences of opinion. No, what you've seen in the legacy media, they have jumped the shark into nothing more than incitement to violence, celebration of hate and divisiveness, and constantly stirring the pot of unrest. I defy you on any legacy media now to look for the kind of positive messages we used to see from a preening uh, left in which they used to lecture us about hate. Now they use phony, I might add, uh, proclamations of anti-hate in order, as we know, to justify and legitimize 
even more hate against their enemies. Sadly, there are people who are buying this garbage and they don't recognize that human beings are human beings and they are capable of great good and great evil, including racism, prejudice, and bigotry. Uh, To claim that by virtue of the color of your skin, you're incapable of being a racist is by its very nature racist. It means we're going to condescend to you because you cannot possibly think for yourself or be held accountable for your behavior. Uh, You may know that in San Francisco, they are now pushing to give every black person $5 million with no taxes and no responsibility Uh, Some people have pointed out that San Francisco was never part of slavery in this country, and no one we know alive now is either a victim of slavery or a perpetrator of slavery. None of them, but they should be held accountable. This is is archaic, and it's it's, uh, Neanderthal thinking. Neanderthal thinking from the left that is so full of leftist guilt that they can't hold anybody accountable. They are the bigots. Now, what I wanted to go back to is candy. All right. I do want to talk about candy. M&Ms. So M&Ms has backed off its woke M&Ms. And what I just want to throw out there is don't start buying M&Ms anymore. They have revealed who they really are, even though they backed off. Because even if they backed off, their actions, they backed off. They never, ever, ever said we were wrong for dividing people and politicizing candy. We were wrong for extolling the virtues and and uh, lecturing and dictating and uh, preening over morality and making our candy woke. All right? We thought we'd make money making it woke. And when we found out that going woke makes you go broke and it lowered our uh, candy uh, uh, profits, we decided to go backwards and claim we're going back to the old candy. Don't buy it. Don't fall for it. Don't, I ask you, buy M&Ms until they themselves explain why they decided to go back. Was it on principle that they decided not to politicize their candy with insane things that actually push pornography on children? I don't care what gender or uh, sexual proclivity you have. Uh, These are the people that are pushing mastectomies for nine-year-olds, but yes, we should all be woke. All right? Just Just do candy, all right? And until you apologize for politicizing your candy, Go buy Ghirardelli. (laughs) Go buy some other brand. I'm not publicizing Ghirardelli. Somebody that knows they're in the candy business, not the politics business. Okay. Well, we have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have a super guest who's making a movie. You're going to want to hear about that. Actually, we have two movies to talk about today on Spouting Off. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of MyPillow. Thanks to your support, you've helped make MyPillow become one of the fastest growing companies in America. Over the last 12 years, you've helped MyPillow create thousands of jobs right here in the USA. Every MyPillow is made with passion here in my home state of Minnesota to ensure you get the best sleep of your life. One of the things that I really like about MyPillow is the support. It gives my neck a little hug. I've never slept better in my life. What's better than a great night's sleep? Call or go online to take advantage of my best offer ever. For a limited time, when you use your promo code, you can get premium my pillows regularly $69.98, now only $29.98. With our 60-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. Sleep well, America! Call 1-800-867-0416 and use the promo code RAM, R-A-M. That's 1-800-867-0416 and use the promo code RAM. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Put a frog in a pot of boiling water and it'll jump right out. But put a frog in a pot of cool water and slowly heat it up, that frog will boil. As a metaphor for us and all that we go through as veterans, it's a story that rings true. We learn to endure the heat in silence. We apply what we learn to life, the bills, the job, the family. 
things we're expected to handle with ease. When life heats up around us, we just try to stay afloat. We let the water boil. Reaching out isn't easy, but you've never been interested in easy. You join because you are not afraid of hard work. You are not a frog. If you or a veteran you know needs support, don't wait until the water boils. Reach out. Find resources at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. Spouting off with Karen Cataline will return in a moment. The Reading Foundation provides evaluation and tutorial programs based upon the Orton-Gillingham philosophy of learning, based upon the study of language, how children acquire language, and the mechanisms involved in learning. All the learning pathways of the brain, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, and tactile, are addressed and strengthened to build a strong foundation for the acquisition of reading skills. If you are interested in learning more, Please contact the Reading Foundation for more information. The Reading Foundation is at 10 Northern Boulevard, Unit 19, Amherst, New Hampshire, 03031. Or you can email us at readingfoundation underscore rf at yahoo.com. And of course, you can call anytime at 603-882-0992. The Reading Foundation, Amherst, New Hampshire. And now, more Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. Welcome back, everyone, to Spouting Off. I am delighted to welcome our very first guest. As it sometimes happens by coincidence, we get two people who have similar uh, interests, different topics, but they're both filmmakers and they're making films that we want to see that aren't pushing uh, radical leftism down our throat. And so our very first guest, it's so nice, a documentary filmmaker, James Patrick, He's a film director, economist, and investigator. In the response to global lockdowns in 2020, he directed the international documentary Planet Lockdown, shot in nine countries and translated into 17 languages. Currently, he is about to release his new film based on the Dutch farmers and their struggles called Nitrogen 2000, with attacks on the global food system at work and worldwide land grab schemes unfolding. He's on the case. His name is James Patrick, and we have him right now on Spouting Off. Welcome, James, to the program. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you. And as we are finding out, uh, gutsy filmmakers and uh, gutsy investigators like James O'Keefe are on the front lines of bringing alternative views and the truth to people who are being fed a totally different narrative. Tell us about this film, Nitrogen 2000, and why you decided to make it. Yeah, I was in, um, in, in Planet Lockdown, I have a section on, on wh- how kids were affected, what happened to our children. So I started doing another film called What Happened at School and was over in Holland shooting two interviews for that and decided to schedule a few with some Dutch farmer leaders to, to get their story and put it out there. And, um, mm-hmm. and then when I got there, it was just like upside down Dutch flags hanging everywhere from lampposts and, and every third farm had a protest sign on it. And I was like, "This is a huge story. What what is going on with this?" So, I I was I ended up being able to 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 do six in, or seven interviews in six days, and um, got two members of Parliament who were for and against it, or architecting it and fighting it, and then uh, two Dutch farmer leaders, just a farmer who's got land in and on these Nature 2000 preserve areas um, that were established in the 1990. And then um, also a Dutch government scientist who wrote a report debunking the computer models they're using. Because, like, similar to global warming models, they use these kind of ridiculous, you know, nitrogen models that 
hmm. that have a lot of built-in assumptions that make them uh, wrong. Even if you, but I mean, even the basic idea that nitrogen could be pollution is also kind of spurious. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good word for it, James. <laughs> spurious. So, what else did you find False. out? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. what else did you find out? Yeah, they're basically this kind of increasing use of environmental, fake environmental arguments to take our freedom and money away is Mm. is sort of, I think, going to be a really growing trend. But really, since, you know, the early 70s, Club of Rome and this kind of Malthusian, you know, using these, you know, the carbons, using these arguments that carbon or pollution that came really started heavily in the 90s and then. And then, so they're, they're, and now it's nitrogen. And in, in the EU, they're using this argument: nitrogen is pollution, which is 78% of the air, and it's the main ingredient of fertilizer. It makes plants grow. It's plant food. So to argue that cow manure, really, yeah, really, the basic story is that 70% of Holland's owned by Dutch cow farmers, and they're moving to nationalize half of that land, force oh, purchase wow. farms. So it's a third of Holland they're trying to nationalize. I see a lot of similarities between the two films you made in that there is a predetermined agenda to shut down private farmers and our food supply, which is a terrifying thought. People who are preening and lecturing us about world hunger, right? They want to shut down food supplies and control them. There's a preconceived a uh, determined plan to do that, and they have to create a narrative to justify their doing it. Whether Correct, it is yeah. taking away our freedoms uh, using COVID, COVID, or whether it's taking away our freedoms claiming that nitrogen and uh, carbon dioxide, which we breathe out and plants take in, is somehow dangerous to us. Um, mm-hmm. Could you speak to that? Because the larger, oh, shall we say, macro argument of this is is huge and maybe it'll inoculate people the next time and it's happening in multiples in numerous ways constantly putting together these narratives simply for another a completely different agenda yeah it's really sick stuff i mean it's sad to see the elites are basically pushing their anti-human belief system on people so it's sad to see young kids who say i don't want to have any children because of climate change or and then they're they're imbuing the beliefs of their oppressors, you know. It's kind of like Stockholm syndrome or something. But but basically, they're that? you know they, they're arguing like similar to how the Catholic Church used to say, "Oh, you're born in sin, so give us your money." You know, they're doing ah. that with environmentalism. They're saying, "Oh, well, yeah. carbon's pollution. All life on Earth is made of carbon. So now everyone thinks that they're pollution. They should get rid of themselves." I mean, it's yeah. it's just should ridiculous. Should we call this and, a nihilistic and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, ideology? But it's only nihilism for you and greed yeah. for me it's like you get to it's kill ridiculous. yourself but you know we're going to take your stuff and and uh and you're going to let us do it i mean this stuff sounds like i always call it a bad sci-fi movie but go ahead it is we're Just stuck in a bad sci-fi movie terrible horrifying <laughs> you know I, I never I wore joke. a, a tinfoil hat in in 2020, I joke it. You know, every it was the year every conspiracy theory came true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you hear John Kennedy, the wonderful John Kennedy senator from Louisiana, who said we're going to have yeah. to get ourselves a whole new set of conspiracy theories because these already came true. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and they're even crazier ones than I ever even heard of. You know, I mean, like yeah. like yeah. this Hariri guy, and like you know, I mean, getting oh. he's saying surveillance will be under the skin. Like, what what is he exactly referring to? Yeah, and who elected him God or any to anything? Why are these self-proclaimed Napoleon Bonapartes telling us how we're going to live, how we will be surveilled, uh, that we will own nothing and be happy? My comment I keep making, but nobody's listening, is you first. You first. You know, if you're going to own, you know, the wealthiest people in the world are going to own, are telling us we'll own nothing, but we will be happy. And they will be the final arbiters of whether we're happy or not. We don't even get the freedom of that. Uh, it's, it's, huh, you know? Yeah. A- and you're doing, you're doing Loman's work or whatever it's called. I'm just so delighted that you're making a film that is exposing this because that's really the, 
that's really the task, isn't it? Is to restore people's ability to think for themselves, even if it's disagreeing with us. You know, think for yourself yeah, I mean, and ask yourself, what do these people really want and why are they trying to push such preposterous, preposterous notions on us all? Well, it's clearly nonsense. And we got to just laugh at it and then call it a fraud for what it is and, and really hold these people responsible. I mean, they're, they're, they're looking at, in the, in the Dutch case, what they're doing is they have about half a dozen NGOs that they get the people or the government to pay the budgets for. They lobby for all these crazy anti-nitrogen policies and really are just hell-bent on getting the land. So even if you, they're able to mitigate nitrogen, even if it was a real problem, they don't want that. They want the land. And then they got a 25 billion right. euro fund they get the people to pay for to buy out the land. And then the NGOs become the custodians of the land and put cows back on the land to manage it. So yeah. they have they control everything and don't have to put a penny or down. Or maybe they'll make bugs and they'll feed the slaves bugs. They might do that too. Right. Yeah, I mean, mentioned- then they got all this yeah. bug stuff, bug, bug food propaganda. They want to yeah. feed us insect kibble. I have I have a theory about that one. I know we're all over the place, but I mean, there's so much to talk about. I have a theory about that. Um, okay. People of faith, and I'm uh, I put the Judeo and Judeo Christian, as it says in my bumper. Um, there is something in the Bible that says, "Do not, under any circumstances, eat insects." And there is even something about the exoskeletons of insects that create disease. But either way, even if it is an attack on people of faith, gee, have we seen attacks on people of faith going to the right heart and soul of people who have faith in something greater than humans or the government, regardless of what that is? Really? I wonder what what you think about that. that. Pardon me? What passage is that? That's interesting. That may be why they're doing it, huh? I think so. You know, with your creative mind, let's talk about this film, you know, the the ins and outs, why people ought to watch it, and also the previous film that you made on lockdowns. Enormously important. Still Yeah, I mean, I, I just get relevant. the most credible people. So I, I, I seek out the best uh, people who speak on these things, you know, and I'm able to get the access. And so with the with the with the the planning lockdown film, I had you know former Czech prime minister relate the the parallels to communism in the COVID period, the social distancing. He said communism did the same thing, and I had the former Pfizer vice president Michael Eden and former researcher director of the French NIH talk about mm. the vaccines a bit, and then you know uh, Knut Vikowski spent 25 years the head of epidemiologist at Rockefeller University talk about how, you know, a curve is two weeks in an epidemic, not two years. Mm. Or three. They're telling us flatten the curve. Yeah, so. yeah. It's true. And yet, I just wrote an article, a brief little uh, op-ed piece, about how uh, people are still, you still see people with uh, masks in grocery stores. Yeah. Um, I think it's a sign, just like uh, Bill Ingvall said about, here's your sign. I think it's the sign that you're gullible and you still believe what these people are telling you. Um, You mentioned Harari. Have you done any research on this guy? And and what what do we need to know about him? Because this is is a a possible maniac. There's a lot of maniacs with a lot of power. I mean, he's just a... He's just a mouthpiece. I think he's just a shill like mouthpiece. They 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 pumped his his reputation up with that hack book, Sapiens, which really doesn't say much at all. I mean, he's kind of a heathen, you know. I mean, he doesn't. I I don't think he's remarkable or special at all. I think he's just like mm. someone they use to get certain talking points out there hmm. and telegraph certain ideas into people's just like Klaus Schwab. Yeah, they're they're just kind of like mouthing. They're saying, "Hey, we're going to screw you guys. This is how we're going to screw mm-hmm. you," and they're it, like, "So it's just a way of understanding their mindset, the bad people's yeah. mindset." Why do you suppose they're telling the truth about it, or are they, in your opinion? I think it's a way of mentally subjecting, subjugating someone. You know, if you mm-hmm. if you tell someone like, "Hey, look, I'm dominating you. I'm I'm screwing you over." And and you're and you're kind of agreeing with it. It's sort of maybe it absolves some karmic debt of doing it if you tell the victim you're doing it to them and they still do it. Mm-hmm. Also, getting people to do things to themselves so they're not yes. doing it. They're not enslaving 
it's more a situation of people enslaving themselves because they're requested to do so rather than people or because being it's, enslaved. Because it's a fait accompli, because it's presented as this is going to happen anyway and you, you have nothing yeah. to say about it and you can do nothing about it. I, I'm, yeah. so, I'm sorry to bring up another article I wrote some years ago that was in the Western Journal about the, the girl that talked the young man into killing himself, you know, by breathing uh-huh. carbon monoxide, who went to prison for a while for it. Her name was Carter. She basically was playing on his low self-esteem, and she actually talked him into killing himself and said he wasn't enough of a man if he didn't. Well, I see this happening all around the world yeah. now to the free world. What do you think? It's a similar case. Yeah, we're getting people to hurt them, to hurt themselves, you know? They're getting people to to Sick. enslave themselves. So we pay taxes to the government, and then the government enslaves us. You know, yeah. I mean, we 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 willfully, like you know, the tax system is kind of voluntary. You pay it, hmm. and then you and you know a lot of, a lot of things are set yeah. up as a to 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 involve you in it to and it 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 creates more of a it works better that way, you know? So people need to snap out of these trances and see things for what they are. Yeah. You mentioned, we only have a couple of minutes, believe it or not, it's gone so quickly. You mentioned hold them accountable. How do the little guys like us do that? Obviously you're doing it with your films, but what would you tell people in a a shorter way? We got about a minute and a half less. I'd say go into local government and, 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 you know, we need to get attorney generals there with some balls that will actually file criminal charges on these things. And people have been hurt and abused. I would say I would encourage people to go into local and state governments and, and run for office and, and, and take over there first and then, and then pass laws that, that protect us and hold people accountable. I think the attorney generals should be filing criminal charges on a number of these egregious crimes, you know. Yes, um, and Soros bought a bunch of them. Yeah, so, well, we need to put ours in there then, you know, yeah, and quit yeah, complaining just that they do it. Exactly. Talented filmmaker, how can people watch your film, Nitrogen 2000? There's, uh, I have a YouTube page, Big Big Picture, and then I also have my, there I put on four clips of it. I'm going to be putting it through film festivals, but um, right. the, like a third of it is on that on that channel. And then on the, and on, on my website, bigpicture.watch, and uh yeah, big picture dot watch big picture yeah. dot watch thanks for doing that because conservatives are woefully uh behind the eight ball when it comes to films and entertainment and media in general so thank you james patrick we appreciate your time and uh keep up the great work hope you keep making thank more films thank you appreciate you too all right take care Well, we got another filmmaker talking about homelessness. Boy, oh boy, we got a theme we didn't mean for it, but there it is. Karen Catalina, you're listening to Spouting Off. We'll be right back. You're listening to Spouting Off with Karen Catalina. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. 90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. They're not out to tell you the truth of what's happening. They're out to tell you the picture of the world that they represent. The mission of the Epoch Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements and facts, and prevent people from being misled. The Epoch Times is independent, We're not controlled by any special interest, and we never will be. This is a battle, a battle between truth and deceit, a battle between forces that would ensnare this country in ignorance and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. Subscribe today to our digital edition at theepochtimes.com and join the Americans who are seeking truth and tradition. Read the difference in all your devices. We'd love to have you on board. Are you tired of the same old snacks? Looking for something a little healthier than that bag of chips or candy bar? Even your average bag of trail mix these days is little more than peanuts, 
raisins, and candy-coated chocolate. Not very healthy, is it? Allow me to introduce you to White Mountain Munchies. Made from 100% all-natural ingredients, White Mountain Munchies combines unique flavors with nutritional value that will tingle your taste buds and strengthen and sustain your overall health and wellness. Eating good never tasted so good. From Maggie's Maple Madness to Hannah's Heavenly Harvest, Grayson's Getaway Goodies, and our limited edition Christmas blend, Jacoby's Jolly Jumble, White Mountain Munchies offers nutritious and delicious snacks that the whole family is sure to love. Pick yours up now through our easy-to-use online store at whitemountainmunchies.com. White Mountain Munchies, non-GMO when you're on the go. Each year, thousands of children fall victim to predators such as abductors. Our children are extremely vulnerable. Their hope is you, the adult, to come to their aid. If you're suspicious a predator may be lurking about a park, school, or mall, contact your local authorities. You may have just saved a child's life. This important reminder was a courtesy of and sponsored by MRES Electric and Pelham. Give them a call at 603-751-8340, where they always work for the safety and welfare of our community. Outdoor Almanac, brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Games Wildlife Journal. Looking for the antlers that deer shed every year has become a popular pastime. Deer start dropping antlers in January, but for some the process may take until February or March. In the spring, the antlers grow back again. According to deer experts, the loss of antlers causes the buck no pain. It's been likened to leaves just falling off a tree. So where do you begin to look for sheds? Unfortunately, there's no easy answer. Usually deer yard up in protected areas like hemlock stands to keep the snow and cold away. But so far this winter, the deer have moved around pretty much wherever they want because of the lack of snow. So if it were me, I'd try fresh trails or fences that they may have jumped. And if you don't find any, well, you had a nice walk. And come spring, the mice and squirrels will find the sheds and chew on them to get their calcium fix. So if you look at it that way, shed hunting is a win-win. Outdoor Almanac is brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Game's Wildlife Journal, the magazine for people with outside interests. Spouting Off with Karen Cataline will return in a moment. Since 1930, United Way of Greater Nashua has been your trusted partner to fight for the health, education, and financial stability of every person in every community. When a low-income child needs access to dental care, or parents need quality after-school programs where their kids can learn and be safe, United Way is there. When a person with disabilities needs a supportive day program where they can thrive or a family loses its home and needs a place to regain financial stability, United Way is there. When a homebound senior needs food and supportive social connections, or when it comes time to die with dignity, United Way is there. The programs supported by your United Way are the heart and soul of Greater Nashua. When you volunteer or donate to United Way, you lift up the community where you live and you work. As a highly regarded nonprofit with Charity Navigator and GuideStar, you can be sure that your donations will be used for the work of making Greater Nashua stronger, smarter, and safer. Learn more and connect with us at unitedwaynashua.org. Karen Cataline got her parents to name her Karen before she was born so she could grow up to be a punchline. Now here's more Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. Spouting off, I'm Karen Cataline, having a blast as usual, sitting behind the mic here at Spouting Off. Well, we have another documentary filmmaker to talk to, and she tackled something to do with homelessness, beyond homelessness, finding hope. Mary Theroux is director of the documentary, uh, 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 I just said, <laughs> Beyond Homeless, Finding Hope. She's also the chairman and chief executive of the Independent Institute. She serves on the National Advisory Board of the Salvation Army, has been a director of nine corporations and three foundations, uh, and uh, she's just been on the radio and on television everywhere. She also wrote an accompanying book, Beyond Homelessness, Finding Hope. Mary Theroux, welcome to spouting off. Good to have you. It's so good to be here. Thank you, Karen. Yes, my <laughs> pleasure. So, you know, when I was a social worker, I was a practicing social worker. I had a, a really good friend who uh, worked in the homelessness field in, well, I date myself in the 80s, uh, handing mm -hmm. sandwiches to the homeless in New York City when homelessness was then 
blamed on Ronald Reagan. I remember that. Now uh, they don't have Ronald Reagan to blame anymore. But what is really the story with homelessness? Because it seems to have absolutely exploded. We've justified people living in tents. Uh, talk about intense. The whole the whole uh, subject is intense. What do we need to know about this? And what does your film uh, enlighten for us? Well, first of all, just to set the record straight, in the 80s, they didn't have Ronald Reagan to blame. They had JFK to blame. It was JFK who closed the state mental institutions in 1963. And, and perhaps not unjustifiably, state mental institutions in many cases were abusive, but they were closed and with no, play, no provision for the uh, people who had been then. Them made yeah. so that was a really That's big right. problem. We continue right. to have a huge problem of not providing mental yes. health care to people who need it in this country. So that is a large part of the continuing part of the problem. Mm. Um, the reason why it's well, there are lots of reasons why it exploded. I always like to to preface my comments by saying I've talked to many, many, many people who are experiencing homelessness. And there are as many reasons for becoming homeless as there are individuals who are experiencing homelessness. So I don't want to make any lump statements or, or try to classify everyone as addicted or everyone as mentally ill or everyone as having suffered economic downturns or whatever. There's just a whole lot of different reasons, including a large one is childhood trauma. Um, we have a, a big problem in this country with destroying childhood and, and having very dysfunctional families, which has to be addressed. But the reason why street homelessness has gotten so bad <clears throat> is that in 2009, under the uh, Obama administration, federal policy shifted from what had been funding emergency shelters and transitional housing 100% into what's called housing first. And housing first is a very, it sounds good. People are, quote, homeless. Therefore, the solution to their issue is to provide them with homes. Uh -huh. um, the problem with housing first is it, 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 it promises its name, housing first, promises that there's going to be something second, right? Services right. second. Or the other name for it is permanent supportive housing which again implies there's going to be support provided. Unfortunately, the way it's been practiced in this country is that it's housing only, and it's not very much housing at that. So uh, effectively, people, we've made the streets the waiting room for these very expensive homes, and then even the people get, who get placed into the homes, if there are not the supportive ha services available, then the causes that led them to become homeless in the first place remain unaddressed and they simply become homeless again. They're not ready to live on their own. They, and especially if they don't want to live in isolation with their problems, with their addiction, with their mental illness, or whatever the issue may be. Um, the cities that have been successful with this have been very integrated in their approach and do recognize that this is a highly individualized uh, situation and it needs to be addressed on a highly individualized basis. Well, and the government and the the whole tenure, if you will, of uh, policy today in the government is to lump everybody together into groups and to poo-poo and even suppress the idea that people are individuals and they have individual problems and individual situations uh, and, and that does a disservice to both the clients themselves and to the public that care about this issue. Um, are you finding that, that uh, there's this idea that we're going to just do this for everyone? And then, you know, why should they be surprised when it never works? It just spends taxpayer money and keeps people in a miserable state. Well, that's exactly right, Karen. It's very paternalistic and it's very hubristic. And so this federal policy shift to housing first is essentially offering a one-size-fits-all mandated solution, you know, housing first, um, except, again, 
people fall into homelessness for differing reasons. They different they need differing resources. Some people just need an ID. They've lost their ID, so they can't do a great many other things. Some people just need housing for a little bit with uh, perhaps some workforce training, some uh, help finding a job, finding a place to live, etc. Some people do need to go through recovery um, and attendant services like life skills training and so on. And other people need very serious, either minor or serious mental health care. It can range from getting people just stabilized and on medicines to long-term custodial care to get them truly taken care of. But it's a great range of things. And thinking that putting somebody into an apartment is going to solve all of those problems is just foolhardy. And it's simplistic thinking. When Obama unveiled uh, the, the sort of upped version of this in 2013, he declared that in 10 years, homelessness would be over. Well, it's 2023. <laughs> Instead, it's Well, they never get held higher. accountable, though. I mean, it, results yeah, never well, matter. Yeah, not there anymore, so it doesn't <laughs> When matter, there's so. money to be spent. I also wonder, we're talking to Mary Theroux, uh, director of the documentary Beyond Homelessness, Finding Hope, Um, I also wonder about the suppression or just the eradication, if you will, of private charitable institutions that that used to do a very good job of looking at people as individuals. Um, Are they going down and and, uh, being uh, destroyed in this um, government heavy handedness that we find again and again? Yeah, there are two things um, that are at play here. One is the, the American tradition is one of, of tremendous sort of mutual aid and coming together in community to solve our problems together. So um, in the 19th century, Alexis de Tocqueville documented extremely well in his book, Democracy in America. Uh-huh. Um, he was a young Frenchman who had come to America to study our, <clears throat> our penal system, our prison system, but when he was here, he was struck so much by the fact that Americans, we didn't have a strong central government as in France or England. Uh-huh. We had these these communities that would come together in what he called associations to do everything that was needed. So if, if a school needed to be built, the community would come together and build it. If we needed uh-huh. a library, the community would come together and build it. If people fell on hard times, there were these mutual aid societies um, the people would pay into, and then they could draw on when they fell on hard times, but they would only draw as for as little time as they needed because, you know, they realized that they were, it was with their, you know, taking from their neighbors and their neighbors would need help initially as well. So there was a very strong private tradition in America of coming together to solve problems and also helping one another to solve problems as well as, of course, organized charity, which is which has gone on for a long time. Um, in the progressive era of the early 20th century, the theory rose that, no, this was the job of the state. And so you started having these welfare programs and great and, and uh, public assistance programs, and they crowded out things like, you know, even if you only had to pay a dollar a month into a mutual aid medical care system, if the government was providing something free, why would you pay in your dollar a month? So they, well, a lot of these really strong uh, organizations collapsed. And then, of course, more recently, the government has sort of become the grantor of almost every nonprofit. Almost every nonprofit in this country gets uh-huh. some or all of its funding from the government and under the conditions that the government sets. So um, charity may have a wonderful mission and a wonderful vision and a wonderful strategy, but along comes the government dangling a grant of $25 million or something. It looks like free money, but they're saying, okay, with this money, you have to do this, 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 and that. And it may completely skew them from their, from their original mission, but they do it because it's, it's easier than going out and raising money from, you know, individuals or, or foundations. And sticking to your principles. There's an old phrase, even if it's free, it may not be worth it. And 
there's a vested interest, is there not, for a government that wants to empower itself by taking over <clears throat> certain jobs so that um, people become more passive and less involved in their government, in their community, and that would be what a large, powerful government would want, isn't it? Well, I'm not going to lift a finger. The government will do it. Right? Yeah, it's, uh, there's a great there's a school of economics called public choice economics, which points out that uh, you know people who work in government individually are likely very well intentioned. They went into it for the for the best reasons. They want to help people. They want to make things better. Whatever. But the incentives in the public sector are perverse, such that you don't get rewarded if you make things better. You get rewarded with more power and more money if things get worse. Yeah. So even though you might yeah. you might think you're doing good, what's getting rewarded is doing bad, a essentially. Self-perpetuating uh, um, problem. Sort of sounds like Congress, too. Well, uh, we it, only no, have... it's, it's the whole public yeah. sector. Yeah, yeah. You get reelected. The worst things are generally, or you get yeah. again. Your agency gets larger. You get more power. Um, yeah. You're able to have an expanded budget and more people because and you lose sight oh, the of your mission so big. that you started out to to address. In our mm. minute or so left, tell everybody how uh, they can find this movie and what it will. I'm sorry, we don't have more time. Uh, what we're going to find in this movie, why we need to see it. Okay, the film is called Beyond Homeless, Finding Hope. It's on our website at beyondhomeless.org. And um, it's 38 minutes long, so it's quite short. But what it does is it shows uh, some of the causes behind, causes and consequences of homelessness. But then very importantly, it casts a vision based on a real world model of how of why, how homelessness is almost everywhere. It doesn't have to be that way. And the idea of our doing the film was for people to view it and then ideally talk with others in the community to see what ideas they could take away from it that they could apply locally. Um, and we're seeing real success in, in getting together with community groups, having screens. Again, it's only 38 minutes long, so it lends itself well to an evening in which you watch the film and then you discuss, okay, here's, you know, three good ideas from it. What can we, what could we do with those here? And well, um, we have a website beyondhomeless.org with resources and we're here to help anybody anywhere that wants to work on this problem in their community. Well, Mary Thoreau, thank you so much. Very important topic and America is a compassionate country. They want I think many people in America want to address these kinds of issues. I, everybody does, Karen. They Thank just you. don't know how. So we're Thank trying to help so them much. find how. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. Take care. Uh, our pleasure. It's, it's our pleasure. Well, that does it for this edition of Spouting Off. Tune in every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern when there's always so much to spout off about here on Spouting Off. <laughs>